This is the Eclectic Joe, the podcast, 2023, episode four. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. This is the fourth episode of the Eclectic Joe, the podcast. My name is Joe Torres. I'm your host. We're going to pivot today. We have talked about Heart, uh, the group Heart, Rock and Roll Hall of Famers. We've talked about taking the citizenship test. We've talked about George Washington. Today, we're going to pivot, if you will, and the title of this podcast is Step Parents, Loving or Evil. I'd like to say that there was some something that recently happened with us involving a step parent of mine that caused me to come up with this idea for this podcast. Reality is that really nothing has happened in the last couple of years with my step parents. Um, but I thought about this while I was working out the other day, and I thought it'd be an interesting story to tell. Also to see if people out there have the same experience or the same conclusions. Now, first, though, I would like to say the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are mine and mine alone and may not be the views and opinions of anyone else out there. So let's get that out of the way. But before we get to step parents, I think there is value in looking at my family before step parents entered the picture. The funny thing about family is that they, the family, they let you know only what they want you to know. Is that an obvious statement? Yeah, perhaps, but it, I believe, is entirely true. And if I was a betting man, which I'm not, I suspect there isn't a family out there that doesn't have some kind of skeleton or skeletons in the closet. And then you factor in a step-parent entering the picture who most likely have their own skeletons or skeleton and you have the potential for a real shit show sorry dave the other thing is how how many of us really know our parents now this may be a generational thing uh, my both of my parents were born during world war ii i gathered from a letter that my grandmother showed me, why she showed me this when I was younger, young, I don't know, but uh, I gather that Joe was a real hellraiser in high school. Uh, this letter was a letter of apology to the principal at his high school in Aurora, Illinois. It's where he grew up, middle of three, three children. The, he and his older sister were relatively close in age. The Younger, youngest brother uh, was what they used to call a Johnny-come-lately. I'm not sure he was playing because I believe he was about 10 years younger than Joe. But this letter is a letter 
uh, of apology to the principal for his actions. Uh, I gather he would drive his car around the school, uh, either with the glass packs, uh, mufflers really loud, or, or the uh, some kind of stereo system really loud. Probably the former, because back uh, he was born in 1942, so this would have been about 19 late 50s, and I'm not sure that car stereos were that advanced back then. But the, they certainly had mufflers, and you could certainly make them loud. And so uh, he apparently also would smoke in school, which was a no-no, actually still is, um, and just general carrying on. We would probably call that behavior uh, hood rat stuff today. But he was uh, apparently a, a troublemaker, middle child, don't know, but he wasn't a middle child at that time, but he, he turned out to be a middle child, don't know if that has anything to do with it. But he, uh, he graduates from high school and he joins the Air Force right out of high school. This would have been around 1960. So uh, the U.S. really has yet to ratchet up the intervention in Vietnam. We're not at war yet, though we will be in a few years uh, in Vietnam. But he decides to join uh, the Air Force. Uh, now, he, uh, he, Joe did not see action in Vietnam, uh, though he did do a tour in the Philippines uh, in the early 60s. He ends up being stationed uh, a few years later, so this would have been about 63-ish, 64. Ends up being stationed uh, at Offutt Air Force Base in Omaha, Nebraska. If that sounds familiar to those of you who are into history, you may or may not remember uh, the morning of 9-11 when George Bush gets on Air Force One after hearing of the attacks and his Air Force One lands at Barksdale over in uh, Bossier City slash Shreveport, Louisiana, and then from Barksdale they go to Offutt. Uh, Offutt has uh, underground bunkers that I gather are somewhat almost impenetrable by nuclear uh, a nuclear device. I mean, they are uh, thick and they are way down in the ground because that was where Strategic Air Command headquarters was uh, during the Cold War where we kept an eye on anything and everything Russia did and would able to uh, counterattack should they decide to launch missiles. So that's how Joe ends up in the Omaha, Nebraska area in the middle-ish 60s. My mother, Linda, grew up on a farm in the northwest part of Missouri around Tarkio. She's the youngest of three. She has two older brothers. Uh, and unlike Joe, all three of the siblings are relatively uh, close in age. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about her childhood. I don't know what kind of grades she made. I don't know what kind of extracurricular activities she was involved in in high school. Uh, I do know, because I've seen pictures of her in her cheerleading outfit, that she, uh, after graduating high school, she attended the University of Nebraska Omaha and was a cheerleader for them. So Linda and Joe meet on a blind date, or again, around 1963. They were married in June of 1964. I was born in December of 1964. What? Wait. I may be dumb, but I'm not stupid, but even I'm not sure about that claim anymore because it wasn't until it wasn't until I was in the eighth grade, the eighth grade. And I'll never forget sitting there on the bench 
on the floor of the gymnasium and talking with my classmates and they were talking about why, we don't know, I don't remember, but they were talking about how long it was after their parents were married that they were born. <laughs> and it was at that point when I said, oh, my parents were born in June and I was, excuse me, my parents were married in June, I was born in December. And it was at that point that I realized, wait a minute, she was pregnant when they got married. So we filed that under the department of nothing gets by me. So we fast forward to December 1964, and here I am ready to take on the world. Keep in mind, Joe is 22, Linda is 19, they're newly married, and now they have a new baby. I know times were different then, a lot different then, but uh, even when I was 19 a few years ago, or even 22, there is no way no way I could have entertained the thought of A, being married, and B, having a child. That just didn't, didn't work for me, would not have worked for me. I don't know how they did it, but as we'll see, maybe they didn't. So I'm doing this for memory, which is a dangerous thing. I uh, don't have a lot of letters or there's no documentation out there on this, but uh, not long after they got married, not long after I was born, uh, Joe did a, a TDY, temporary duty travel, and he went to Goose Bay in Canada. The only, ways, only reason why I remember that is because Goose Bay is such an unusual name. I thought it was kind of a cool name. But he goes up to the Canadian Air Force Base up there. Don't know why, but that's what, that's what he did. Um, so apparently, he really hasn't changed a whole lot from his high school days because he ends up, while he's, uh, while he's at Goose Bay, he ends up gambling away the, the rent money uh, for back home for us living in Lincoln while he's gone. Now, why we weren't living on the base, I, I couldn't tell you. Uh, that would have been an expense we would not have incurred, obviously, uh, base housing. But in any event, um, we were able to skate by. Linda ended up getting a job as a telephone operator, which tells you how long ago that was. We don't really have telephone operators anymore. But back in the day, you could actually pick up the phone and dial zero, and you would talk to a live person who would be able to patch you through to whatever number you were trying to call. So she, she gets a job. It also helped that she, she had her brother living there uh, in Lincoln, uh, so that they were able to, to help out with uh, my care, I gather. So things settle down a little bit after that. Joe gets back from his TDY, and a few years later, this would have been about 68, uh, he gets transferred to Keesler Air Force Base in Biloxi, Mississippi. So now, though, Joe is 900 miles from his family in Aurora, though I'm not sure how supportive they were of him, and Linda is about 1,000 miles from her family in Lincoln. Uh, the funny thing about this is that we are a year away from living through Hurricane Camille. Hurricane Camille was Hurricane Katrina before Hurricane Katrina. Uh, it did a lot of devastation. 
Uh, and and the not funny, but the funny thing is that we had to because we were living on base housing and the shelter was on the base. At that time, they would not allow dogs, so we had to leave our little dachshund in the uh, house for the the hurricane. How he survived that, I still to this day don't know, but he sure did. He's an ornery dog, um, but I mean, this was a hurricane that did incredible devastation every everywhere it went. I remember a little bit about it. I do remember we had cement stairs, cement steps to our front door. It was like two or three cement steps. They were solid cement. They weren't hollowed out. Um, The day after the hurricane hit, we went back home and those steps were gone. I mean, they weren't just a few feet away. They were gone. Never saw them again. And, And like I said, they were heavy. So we survived that. Things seemed to be going okay. Linda ends up getting a job as a sales associate there at a department store at the mall there in Biloxi, uh, Edgewater Mall. The department store was Gafer's. And so she's working there. Uh, Joe's uh, working on the base. We're living uh, not in base housing now. We are living a couple miles west of the base. Uh, We're renting uh, a house in uh, the western part of town. So in about 1973, Joe gets transferred to Tachikawa Air Base right outside of Tokyo. I feel certain looking back that Linda did not envision herself as a military wife, constantly moving around like a nomad. On the other side, I would say, what did she expect when she married someone in the military? They, they don't stay in one place forever. Um, she did not work while we were in Japan. I don't think that she liked that, but opportunities weren't plentiful uh, over there. And I'll never forget, I will never forget, we are, the two of them are in the bathroom. We had just gotten there, we'd only been there a couple weeks. And I don't know what he told her about the length of tour this was going to be before we left. But I'll never forget, we're there. She, they're there in the bathroom, I'm outside the bathroom, and he tells her that, oh, by the way, this is a five-year tour, not a three-year tour. Holy mackerel. Uh, I'm joking when I say this, but only halfway so. Uh, I thought she was going to punch him. <laughs> uh, she did not react well to that. Um and she used profanity, which for a nine-year-old me was shocking to hear because she, she, neither parent really used profanity around me, but she was one who I had up to that point had not, I don't remember ever hearing that kind of language coming out of her mouth. So it was especially shocking for me. So we're, we're in Japan. Uh, Joe has had ear trouble and he had been seen by a doctor there, Kiesler, at the hospital in Kiesler. And apparently, this whatever was wrong with his eardrum, uh, this doctor in Kiesler was one of the only doctors in the entire Air Force, I guess, to treat or be able to treat this, this issue. So one thing leads to another, and uh, Joe ends up getting transferred back to Kiesler which is very odd for, for, for the military. They normally don't do that. But he's back in Kiesler. He leaves Tokyo um, about, a, about a couple weeks, 
maybe a month ahead of us to kind of get things settled and to start his uh, treatment on his uh, ears. So we fly in from Tokyo. He picks us up in New Orleans. We drive back to Biloxi and we pull into a driveway of a house. And she says, what is this? Because this is not the same house that we had rented uh, while we were there previously. And he tells her, this is our new house. <laughs> he had gone out while he was there, while she was in Tokyo. He had gone out and bought a house without uh, consulting his wife at all. Whoops. Keep in mind, this is 1974, 75. No cell phones. Um, no internet, no texting, no FaceTiming. It, it, communication was not that easy, uh, especially overseas. Uh, long distance lines to get a long distance line was um, very difficult. It actually was about as difficult as, for those of you who ever used to watch MASH and uh, Hawkeye would call home to Chicago or, or um, McLean Stevenson's character would, would call home to Illinois um, Getting a long-distance line was a tough thing to do, even in the middle 70s. So the point is that it's, it's not as easy communication-wise as it is today. So um, now we have this new house that he bought, took it upon himself to buy. Linda returns to Gafer's as a sales associate. Now, Joe comes from... Uh, I think the, uh, his, his dad was uh, Mexican, his mom was Romanian, so he's half, half Mexican, but his dad was the head of that household, so I'm sure there was a lot of um, Hispanic, excuse me, Hispanic culture that would rub, off, rub, would rub off on Joe. One of those things I would imagine is that uh, he did not want his wife to work. On the flip side, you have Linda, who is very ambitious and uh, wants to get ahead, wants to succeed, and does not want to stay at home and be an at-home wife. So there's major conflict right there. So she ends up getting, because she comes back to the same department store. Obviously, they, they know her. They remember her. It hasn't been that long. She ends up getting promoted to buyer. She was a buyer for, uh, I, I believe she bought for the handbag department. Uh, pretty, pretty, good, pretty, pretty good promotion. But if, if any of you have worked in retail, even as associates, you know the hours can be long. And add on the fact that you're now considered management and they become even longer. So... We have a little bit of uh, conflict there. And I could be wrong about her. As I said earlier, I don't really know her that well. Strange as that may seem to be to not know your parents. But uh, those, the parents of that generation thought that kids should be seen and not heard. And that kids were on a need-to-know basis. And so apparently there was a lot I did not need to know. But she strikes me as a, as the, a kind of person that um, she may forgive, but she sure doesn't forget. So we look back from the marriage to now the middle 70s, about a 10-year period, and uh, he has done some things that 
she has not forgotten in all likelihood. I'm, I'm sh I feel certain of that. Now, never mind that she maybe has done some things he wasn't a fan of. Not worried about that right now. So now we fast forward to 1976. Joe's 34, Linda's 31. Joe gets an assignment, a one-year assignment without the family to go to Thule, Greenland. That is way up there. Uh, way up there. So now, in essence, Linda is playing the role or in the role of a single parent raising a 12-year-old while working retail and retail hours. A year later, things do not go well upon Joe's return. Uh, after nonstop arguing, and they argued a lot, uh, <laughs> I couldn't even tell you what about anymore, but there are many, many things they didn't see eye to eye on. Uh, she had strong opinions, and I don't, again, it may have been a Hispanic culture thing, but I don't think he appreciated that. So after just constant arguing, uh, Joe decides to move into the spare bedroom. I don't know if that was a mutual thing, uh, uh, his decision or what, but now he's living in the spare bedroom. Soon thereafter, uh, he moves out of the house and into an apartment that was really only about two miles away from the house. So, again, looking back, it's funny, as a 12-year-old, I didn't think anything of it, but as an adult now, I think, well, he only moved two, two miles away so he could keep track of, the, of what, was, what she was doing. Certainly may not have been the case, but boy, it sure seems odd, because their apartments, being a, a city that has a military base, there are apartments all around. But he takes the apartment two miles, two miles from the house that uh, Linda and I are living in. So they end up divorcing in 1978. Now, just as an aside, uh, even at the time, I didn't blame myself for that divorce. The, the, the arguments had nothing to do with me. Actually, I'm sad to say I was relieved when they, when they split up because it was, it was tense, very tense. So now he's living in the apartment two miles away. Uh, I'd stay there. Uh, every other Friday and Saturday nights with Joe, and it was cool at first. I mean, he had a he, he bought an Atari video game system that I didn't have at at my house, so we'd play uh, video games. And again, these are in no way like the video games of today. But for 1978, 79, they were cool. And so yeah, it was kind of cool going over there uh, and hanging out and playing video games and stuff like that for a couple nights. But what eventually happened was that um, I'd get back on a Sunday, and it's Sunday night, and all of a sudden I start get, I have to start getting ready for the school week. Well, wait a minute, where's where's my weekend? Well, you spent your weekend with your dad, and guess what? That that's what you get. So I'm thinking, oh, it was cool at first, but eh, not so much now. It's kind of a bummer. I don't I don't know if if Joe picked up on that. I don't know if I I don't know if I uh, acted differently. But I do know that he had so he would have Sunday through Thursday nights to date. Those two nights I'd be there and then Sunday through Saturday to date. So he had lots of nights to date. But eventually uh he started 
stiffened me basically. And uh, a night I was um, a weekend I was supposed to be over there. He'd call me and say, oh, I can't do it. I, I, I've got something going on. And so I was like, oh, okay, I see. So I think it's just, it's a combination of things. I'm now getting older. Uh, I'm now 13, 14, and kind of getting, finding my own way in life, if you will. And, um, but uh, he, he and I were close uh, for a long time. And so I, I, he stiffed me and said, yeah, that's not really cool, but okay. But the other thing that he started doing, which I wasn't cool with, is that he'd, he'd tell me he would show up for an event. Uh, I was in the marching band in junior high and high school, and he'd show up for the game. He said he would show up for the game, and he wouldn't. Uh, I used to, there was a bowling league on Saturday mornings that I was in, and he'd say he'd come watch me, never did. Uh, so that, I'm thinking, man, what's going on here? This is, this is not cool. Again, as I look back on it, was he now being influenced by a girlfriend? Was there a girlfriend that said, "Hey, you don't, you know, you don't need to do that. That's that's not that's a waste of your time. You don't worry about doing that. He'll be okay." I don't know, but it's certainly a possibility. So that's going on. The relationship that I had with him that was strong uh, is now kind of being whittled away a little bit. So similarly to Joe, Linda appeared to be someone who could not be without a boyfriend for very long. Um, I'm sure you know someone like that, someone who always seems to have a boyfriend or girlfriend they are never alone. They could not sit at home and watch a Dallas Maverick game. They have to be out and about. Maybe uh, we can call them a social butterfly, but they always seem to have a boyfriend or girlfriend. I remember one time I got back from staying at Joe's and saw my picture uh, laying flat, the, f the frame, the picture was laying flat against the, the, the shelf. What the heck? Linda told me it was because she didn't know this guy that well that she went on a date with. Really? And so if that's the case, I understand that. But if you don't know him that well, why are you letting him into your house? And that, that, that doesn't make sense to me. Why not just meet him somewhere? Um, it, it just, I don't know. It, it made an impression on me. It didn't make me too, too happy, as you could imagine. Um, I mean, why are you ashamed of me? Are you embarrassed of me? Wow, am I, that, am I that much of a bum? I mean, why would you do that? If you, if you don't know the guy that well, don't bring him here. Meet him somewhere. I mean, that, that's kind of common sense, but maybe not. Where I'm ultimately going with this is that she didn't want this guy to know she had a kid. Okay, remember, she's only 31 or 32. So I could be wrong about that, but I doubt it. So not long after the divorce, she starts dating uh, her insurance agent. I assume they were dating because he was always around and she even loaned him money, a significant amount so he could buy a car. I liked him okay. Uh, he, did, he did help me uh, come out of my shell a little bit and become less, uh, less shy. Um, 
but it didn't end well with them uh, because he did not pay her back for that loan. Uh, she had kept his mother's diamond ring as collateral, and so even though she did not have money, she had a nice ring out of it. But that was that for that guy. He's out. out. Even though he never lived, never lived with us, he, he was no longer coming around. She, uh, Linda was a volunteer uh, with the United Way, or whatever that equivalent was back then, uh, where at, at some function she met a naval petty officer, uh, stationed at the CB base in Gulfport, which is the town right next to Biloxi. One thing leads to another, but the next thing I know, this guy's moved in. Uh, and one time he even introduced me as his stepson. And I'm thinking, I mean, it's not that big a deal, but I'm thinking, what, what did I miss here? What, what's going on? Um... He, he was a little bit different in that he was from the Northeast. He was a career sailor uh, and one who definitely liked his cannabis and not the CBD oil. So, uh, again, you have to remember the parenting styles of boomers is quite different than subsequent generations. And I'm not a parent, so I'm like the unmarried marriage counsel counselor, but... Um, it just is, as we look back on things, it, it, we can see now, uh, again, the generation, not everybody got a participation trophy. You, got, you, you only got a trophy if you, if you competed and won. There, there were no trophies for losers. <laughs> and just an just a example of how things have changed over the years, <clears throat> we have a nephew who's uh, he's just turned 20, so he was born in 03. He played soccer uh, for a couple years when he was really, really young, and uh, they didn't keep score, which my little brain can't handle that concept of playing a game but not keeping score. But the funny thing is that he always knew what the score was during the game. I mean, he was keeping score. So you see how, how things have changed. Back when I was growing up, no participation trophies. You participate and lose, you walk home empty-handed, you win, you get the trophy. It's that simple. Don't know if it's good or bad, but that's the way it was. So I said earlier that I was doing uh, these events, the event recollection from memory. But right about now, uh, I started for some reason, Linda decided to give me a five-year diary. This was in uh, for Christmas of 1977. The, the diary would have started January 1st of 1978. Why, to me, and I'm being sexist, probably be canceled for this, but to me, a diary is more of a of a girl thing than a guy thing grow, growing up for a teenager. But in any event, it's a five-year diary. Now, it's a small diary. And think about, uh, it's probably about the, maybe a little bit about the size of your hand. And think you have probably three lines for each day for five years. And so you've got to be really, really concise and uh, clear with your thoughts. But anyway, so now I'm starting to keep this diary. So as we're moving forward, there are things that I'm, I'm reviewing it, because I still have it, reviewing, reviewing it, reviewing it that uh, helped me put together what what happened back then so 
Uh, it's funny because even though they were divorced uh, uh, and, and this sailor had moved in, uh, Joe uh, made it a point to let me know that he did not approve of Linda, quote, shacking up. But, again, but why, why tell me? I mean, why not tell her? I, I, I just, and this happens in divorces, happens all the time. And it shouldn't. And, and, and I can tell you, having, you know, having experienced it, it's wrong, but it happens. That's life. But don't put the kid in the middle. If you have a problem with the ex, take it, take it up with the ex. Don't put the kid in the middle. So she's, she's shacked up. Um, but that doesn't last too, too long. It did, I guess it didn't make that much of an impression on me because I, I don't even know when he moved out. But he, the sailor moves out. Linda starts dating a sales rep from Dallas that used to call on her there at the, at the store, department store. Around this same time, Joe retires from the Air Force and takes a job in Chicago, and he moves in March of 1981. I end up finding out that he was back in Biloxi about a month later. Uh, he... Uh, did not contact me, obviously, since I didn't know about it, but um, he was back in town to get his girlfriend slash future wife to move her up to Chicago. I may or may not have uh, met her before because I only had dinner with he and a woman, not Linda, but he and a woman after the divorce. I only had dinner with one of those people. And I even noted it in the diary, but whatever, whoever she was, I wasn't impressed. Assuming that it was the woman he ended up marrying, well, she's, she's got three kids, three daughters. But we, we'll, we'll touch on her uh, later. But I can say that March of 81 through December of 81, uh, I did not hear from Joe at all. Uh, the only way I found, uh, the only way I figured out that he had been in town was that the uh, child support check one month had a Gulfport um, stamp on it, uh, postmark on it. And so I, I knew somebody who had worked for the post office, who worked for the post office, I should say, and I asked, is it possible for a letter to make it from Chicago to Gulfport and not be postmarked until it got to Gulfport? And he said, no. So yeah, anything's possible, but um, highly, uh, highly unlikely. So he's in Chicago. The beginning of the relationship Linda has with John has her flying out of New Orleans. New Orleans is about 75 miles-ish miles away from Biloxi. It's the biggest airport closest to Biloxi. But it has her flying from New Orleans to Dallas, sometimes for a weekend, sometimes longer. Uh, now, I liked it because I'd get free use of the car. I did not have a car up to that point. I'm an only child, did not have a car up to that point. Had a job, uh, rode my bike to work every day that I worked. But when she was in Dallas, I would be able to drive to work. But the other thing, though, was, and I swear I'm a, I'm a conspiracy theorist at heart, but I swear she would call my boss and tell him 
to schedule me for these nights that she was, knew she was going to be out of town because there were almost seemingly almost every Friday and Saturday night that she was out of town, I had to work, which was a little odd, and even sometimes a Sunday night, which I never worked Sunday nights. So I think they were in cahoots, but in any event, she's out in Dallas for a weekend or, or longer. I'd have to pick her up Monday morning, uh, early, early, uh, and drive her back to Biloxi, and she dropped me off at school, and we go about our merry way. So, on one hand, you've got, you're leaving a, a 14 or 15-year-old alone to fend for himself um, for three or four days, maybe a week at a time. But on the other hand, you know, who can blame her? Uh, other than leaving the kid behind, she's now uh, well, she's now out in Dallas living a, a life in Dallas she didn't have in Biloxi. I mean, John lived in the Park Cities. That's that's not cheap rent. That's not the that's not the ghetto. It's a very nice part of town. Um, she's away from everything. Uh, she can carry on as if as if she was in her twenties, carefree. Uh, and live a life that she didn't get to live because she had a child at 19. So, in a way, you could say, well, who could blame her? But like Joe's wife, I really don't remember meeting John for the first time. I think it may have been Thanksgiving, but would not bet my life on it, since I don't even make a note of it in my diary. So, it tells me he did not make a big impression on me. I do remember he was in town for the 1981 Christmas holiday. Linda stayed with him in a hotel room Christmas Eve. Why, I'm not sure, because she had had guys move in with her, but any, in any event, she stays with him in a hotel room Christmas Eve. Uh, they show up Christmas afternoon, and they announce their engagement. Wow. Uh, that was... Not something I expected. Uh, he later pulls me aside with the standard, I'm going to do everything I can to make your mother happy and my, my house is your house speech. That will remain to be seen. Uh, <laughs> they married in June, uh, July, excuse me, July of 1982 uh, and remained so actually up until his death in 2016, I believe. So they were married. That was her second marriage, but that it, that was her uh, longest one. And it was right after they married that July that I moved to uh, Lincoln, Nebraska to take a summer school class at the University of Nebraska at Lincoln. So I'm enrolled up there uh, living with my aunt and uncle and cousins and taking a summer school class. And then, of course, that fall will be my first full semester uh, at, at Nebraska. Not long after Linda moved to Dallas, she got a job as a territory rep for an accessory line that she would be traveling the Southwest. John was still with the company he had been with for a while and uh, would coordinate his trips with her. So all that time together in the car alone with me 600 miles away, could this be good for me? Only time would tell, but there would be weeks that fall well, I wouldn't talk to her. Again, keep in mind, this was the day before cell phones and email and direct messages and 
any uh, FaceTime, all of that good stuff. So being off the grid uh, was a lot easier to do then. So now we go to October of 82. Uh, I've not, I've not been, I've not seen them for four months now, three months. So I was a member of the Cornhusker Marching Band and we were going to travel to Lawrence, Kansas uh, to perform at halftime of the Nebraska-Kansas game. The two of them drove from Dallas uh, to watch me perform, supposedly. That night, uh, we had dinner and they stayed with his cousins at his cousin's house, but put me up in a hotel. And again, at the time, I didn't think much of it, but as I look back on it, well, why do that? I mean, I should have just traveled back on the band bus with the band to get back into Lincoln Saturday night. I mean, I, it seems odd to me now, but back then, and, but I do note in my diary, by the way, that as we're exiting the parking lot of the game, we, we start getting into an argument. I mean, somebody I haven't seen in person for three months and we're already arguing. Not so good. So I'm not going to recount every little or big things that transpired between us, though it sounds as if I'm about to. No, I'm not. But I have come to the conclusion that John did not have my best interests in his sincere heart. Upon further review, I love using that phrase, but upon further review, I believe he did what he could to put himself and his interests first, which is okay. I just wish I had realized that sooner. What would I have done differently? I don't know. Um, because fast forward to me graduating from college, uh, my first real job out of college was with them. They had spun off and formed their own uh, rep company. They sold accessories and handbags and things like that out of the Dallas Apparel Mart, and they traveled. And I went to work for them. Uh, had I known then what I know now, I probably wouldn't have chosen that path to go down. Uh, did not really turn out that well for me. I should have left uh, after a short amount of time, and I didn't. Don't know exactly why probably a lot of reasons why but anyway it's um, uh, it's just been very enlightening as the years have gone has as the years have gone by what uh, what step parents do or don't do but one last note about him is that what always bothered me is that he he never he was conflict averse and so he never would say anything directly to me Everything he would say, any little snide comments, and he had a lot of them, but every every little snipe, he would he would direct it to Linda to direct to me. And I, I'm not that way. I'm not conflict-averse. Uh, I'm pretty straightforward. And uh, you know, I, I have a problem with that uh, when people are like that towards me because I don't respect it. So that, uh, that didn't help. But I guess in the end, uh, it worked out. Worked out for everybody involved because I haven't talked to uh, either one of them for quite a while. Uh, obviously, John has since passed on to the next plane. On the other hand, maybe he, he, he won since he had Linda all to himself up until the point of his death. So speaking of death, that's what we call a good segue. Speaking of death, uh, Joe died in 2013. I had not talked to him in years. Um, almost every time since I graduated from college, the, the 
two or three times we talked, uh, it would just be an argument and who needs that? So about, I think it was 2012, the year before he died, I stumbled across him on LinkedIn. And I looked at the profile and what I remember about him is like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's him. So I email him and uh, we start trading emails. Now, I don't know what I was expecting with this trading of emails. I don't know what I was expecting when I reached out to him. Um, because as we started trading emails, I don't know, I, I was, I guess I was expecting uh, erroneously, but I was expecting at some point he'd say, hey, you know, I'm really sorry for the way things worked out. I'm really sorry for all the, all that's happened between us. Uh, you know, can we clean the slate and start over? I wasn't going to say that, but uh, I was kind of fishing to see uh, if he would, but that never happened. It's funny, I was almost at a point where I was just going to email him and say, you know, sorry, this was a mistake. Uh, I'm sorry to have bothered you. Uh, this, this is uh, good luck, good luck with life. But before I could do that, I get an email from him. It's actually his step, one of his stepdaughters uh, as him telling me that he had uh, passed away. We go to, there was a, a gathering in Atlanta, which is nice drive from Dallas, but there was a gathering in Atlanta, kind of like a memorial service, I guess, at their house. Uh, I decide I'm gonna go. And I'm going to go for some closure. I'm going to go to be able to tell him that I really didn't think uh, what he did uh, to our relationship was cool. Didn't agree with it. Um, I get there and I find out that he had been telling, he had told people that he's the one that found me online. Again, not that big a deal, but eh, it speaks to, uh, to me, to me, it speaks to character or, or lack of. The other thing I thought was funny uh, about that is when I walked into their house, uh, Joan, the stepmother, had a picture of me from my freshman year at Nebraska in my band uniform. Uh, it's a small picture, but it still, was still up. Really? I'm supposed to believe that you have had this picture up for 40 years or however long it's been? Really? Wow, okay. Again, maybe dumb, but not stupid, and nothing gets by me. So in conclusion, step-parents are like any other person. They have the capability to lie, cheat, and steal. The difference, though, with them is that I have seen, not just with my two, but others that I know, other people that I know, they have their own agenda. And their agenda most likely doesn't include the biological child or children. So for those of you out there who are about to have a step-parent, I would just say, uh, be aware, pay attention, watch what's uh, going on. But at the same time, I, I can't, let, can't let biological parents off the hook either because sometimes they suck too. And like everyone else, they have the capability of lying, cheating, and stealing. So this was a, uh, this was a difficult podcast to do. Uh, did a lot of research and went down memory lane, a lot of stuff. 
but as I sit here now in my late 50s, you know, what happened 40, 50 years ago doesn't affect me today. And, and so, you know, it happened at the time, may have affected me for a little while, but uh, it's just now it's good and fun to go back and kind of look at it and say, man, what was I thinking? What was I doing? Why, why didn't I do this? But it's an exercise in futility. And as usual, if you have any concerns, questions, complaints, you may contact me. My Twitter handle is The Eclectic Joe, at The Eclectic Joe. It's also my Instagram handle. My email address is TheEclecticJoe at gmail.com. So I'd love to hear from you, see what you think about what I had to say. So until then, until next time, Stay safe, everybody.